This my anthem. This, this, this. This my This, this, this. Feel Yeah, yeah. I uh, American Thug. How conceited are we that we think we can play that and get away with it? Like we're we're so tough because <laughs> we can. I guess so. I guess so. Hey everyone, welcome to the Soup Sandwich episode five. You're probably saying, "Why is the Soup Sandwich on this week?" I thought that is every other week, and you might be right. I screwed up, and because you know, listen, it, it it sometimes hurts. There's a flag going around here too, so that's gonna be awesome. Sometimes hurts when, you know, people say Marines aren't smart and people say Army. Uh, what do they say about Army? Army? I don't know. They say something. And I'm not smart. When, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, they say Air Force is really, really smart. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, you Air know, Force is definitely the smarter branches for sure. You say, well, yeah, okay, we are. I, I agree. We have like, um, I don't know, space people and we have all that. But when you look at the calendar and you know, like when one month ends and then the next one begins and they kind of overlap a little bit. Well, in my brain, that was two separate weeks instead of thinking of it as one week. Does that make sense? We used to do the same thing. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I was jarhead, I started, though, we're not that smart. So there you go. There you go. I started uh, scheduling everything out based on this missing week. And then I was like, Wait, nothing's worse. I was so screwed up. Like, I thought I had a dentist appointment today. Like, that's how backwards I was. And then I don- it dawned on me that all my interviews are now going to be the days that I'm – because I have a bunch of pre-scheduled interviews for 21 Gun, the interview show. And they were, I was just like, what do I do? Do I go through and just redo everyone? And I didn't feel like doing that. So the easiest thing is just do back-to-back uh, – whatever we call it. Soup Screw it, man. So that's what we're doing. And not having a guest last minute, we reached out to the uh, ladies of, oh, come on, Kevin, pull it up here. <laughs> Behind the Service. Thank you. Behind the Service uh, podcast. Man, I totally fucked that up. Too. What are you going to do? That's what you got me for, buddy. Hey, I have good news, though. I have good news. Apparently, so I'm, I'm bombarded with studies because of my job. It's what I do. Remember the whole Air Force Smart thing? <laughs> I'm bombarded with studies and a new study came out on COVID and it's really, really interesting. And I think it's very pertinent to, um, you know, the mission of bringing veterans out of suicide uh, or out of isolation, reducing suicide and the whole idea that when people isolate and they stay inside that, um, you know, things can go sideways quite easily. So people are like, how do we, how do we look at how deadly COVID is versus how deadly the lockdowns are, right? So let's say 100 people die of COVID and 20 die from lockdowns, either alcohol abuse, drug abuse, suicide, whatever. Heart attack, people are really, really stressed, so they're having heart attacks. And they're like, well, the the numbers don't match up, but the people that are isolated who are dying from those things tend to be in their 30s and 40s. So what they decided to do is study life years. Now, this is there's a term that we call utilitarian. So if you say, it's the classic, you're driving down the street and you lose your brakes and you look to the left and you see, I don't know, four kids going to school and you look on the right, you see four old people sitting on a bench and you've got to, you're going to hit one of one group, which group is it going to be? And usually you would say, well, you, you know, take feeling out of it. And this is kind of, it's kind of the dark side of this whole utilitarian thing, but you take, you take feelings out of it. You say, okay, well, these kids have much more to live for. These people have already lived a a good life or whatever. And so you choose that, or even if it's middle-aged people, right? So it sucks, but there's decisions that had to be made. The Navy, um, they always have to make that decision that if, uh, I mean, I think the last time it happened was with the coal, but if they get any sort of breach of the hull, they have to lock down sections of the ship. And those people are basically lost but it's because you can't lose the whole ship based on a few people. So it's a, a kind of sucky way to look at it, but it, it makes sense when you crunch numbers. So it's how you prioritize life though. That's, that's weird though. It's hard to prioritize life based off of age, what they've done for all, you know, this 65, 70, 80 year old person can cure cancer tomorrow, but you still have yeah, kids growing up. So you never know, or that kid, those kids can do that 
20, 30 years down the, down the road. You never know. So it's hard to prioritize who would be more important in that kind of scenario. But the upcoming age, now do you go into the whole, do you control population by taking out two more kids? Because we have to <laughs> plan, or do you... Well, what this study, I'll tell you what this study found, right? That if you add up the remaining expected life years of the people who, who are dying from non-COVID-related isolation things versus the people that are dying from COVID, um, I don't know if the camera's picking up this fly, but it's driving me freaking crazy. Um, oh, I see it. Yeah. It's... So it, uh, if you look it's at those two numbers, here. if you look at those two numbers, the life years that are lost from people who are isolating and suicide and heart attacks and all that, it's like 18 million times. Like, I, let me pull up the number here. It actually says here. Um, no, I don't have the numbers, but it, it is a lot more. So it's it's basically the cure is becoming worse than the disease itself. Now, 18.7 million life years will be lost. Thank you. Yeah, 18.7 million life years will be lost versus, uh, do you have the the number for the um, the COVID years that are lost? I know it's a lot, a lot smaller, like by magnitudes smaller. So it's like, ah, I mean, to me, plain and simple. Yep. Three quarters of a million life years. Okay. So three quarters versus 18 million. 18 million. And, and that's, that's based on, you know, if, if one guy has 20 years, you know, if he's 60 and they say, oh, he might live to 80. So that's 20, you add it all up. But I thought that was a really, really interesting study. I think people should take a close look at it. Now, I understand being a scientist, never, not every study is, is good and you have to, if you're going to read it, you have to say, okay, what are the limitations of this study? And I'm sure there are, but it just gives a good argument for, for you know, not hiding behind our our iron curtains of fear. And, well, that being um, said too, I'm pretty sure that number has now changed due to the fact that the, the recent CDC information that just came out, so it's a big drop in numbers. So it, regardless, it's still a lot. So I don't think, I yeah. think we need to examine a little bit more. Here's the, here's the crappy thing too. Um, you know, just talking about this, people will say, Oh, you're anti-science. You're, you're not, you're must be a, a conservative. Or if you're saying more mass, you must be, it's like, cut that shit out. We're all sick of that shit, right? Why do we have to wear, why can't we just talk about it? Why can't we just look at each other and be like, Hey, you know what? Look at these numbers, look at those numbers and then, and then hash it out. But it's, we're, we're in such an age where everything is met with an exclamation of which tribe are you in? It, it, it destroys us as people. So you can't even have this conversation. This is why, well, Dina, I don't know if you noticed, but I'm starting to um, break out into Facebook a little bit. And then when people, you know, let's say I get you know, flamed for this, I'm starting to fight back. And I'm realizing that it actually feels better to, <laughs> to actually tell I've been tell telling people, you this since day one, man. I know. So get it I know. out well, Get it out. Well, you know, you have these, you can get doxxed, you can get, I mean, the, the last thing you want, right, is you say, as I say this study, and I'm like, hey, let me put this study up and have people look at it. And then someone, because basically anyone can look at that and say, oh, that's racist. <laughs> it's like, well, you're going to give me the R for that, the scarlet letter? Hey, and that's man, the big fear. Know. That's the big fear is that, is that you're going to be dragged through the mud. And I hate that. That's fine. You can dox me. And then when you come to my house, you're not leaving the front yard. So... <laughs> Legally in North saying. Carolina, they're allowed to go in your front yard. It's when they start trying to make it through your front no, door. Well, technically, if they're not there with, uh, if they're there without permission, they're trespassing. And if you warn Stages. them the first time they don't leave, it's kind of less yeah. escalation of force. They don't yeah, leave, yeah. then you have a right you to put, defend yourself you if they present well, then, themselves as a hazard. And you put hands on body, and if that works, then it, yeah, it escalates up from there. But um, if someone's on your front lawn, ah, yeah, and whatever, it's, it's just gray area. Yeah, get off my front lawn. Get get off my lawn. Like you uh, sound like an old man. Get off my yeah. front lawn, you whippersnapper. Like what's his name from um, what was that movie? Gran Torino. That's where yeah. that's where Gavin McInnes gets the. Uh, oh, I said that name. It's probably gonna be kicked off of YouTube and stuff now. Oh, but he he has the uh, the Clint Eastwood where he's like, get off my lawn. Anywho, yeah, you were ready to shoot up his house. I mean, come on. So things have been slow for me. Uh, work-wise, and and I think because people are so, so a typical. You year, mean because the COVID numbers are a lot less than we thought they were? Well, no, I, everything's a lot less at this point because people aren't sticking their fingers up their nose and touching their eyeballs and touching other people's eyes. People are like actually cognizant of what they're doing. Um, think shit spreads, viruses spread. I tell people every year, 
uh, you know, I'll say, hey, you know what? I think you have a virus. And they get mad at me because they're like, no, I need a Z pack. And I'm like, well, Z packs don't do anything for viruses. It's a virus. And they're like, it's not just a virus. And I go, why just a virus? Flu is just a virus and it kills 80,000 people a year. Ebola is just a virus and it kills, well, it doesn't kill that many people, but it really fucks people up. So yeah. you get the point what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> folks are washing their hands. They're, they're being cognizant of what they're doing. Um, they're sneezing into their elbow or whatever it is. Uh, and no one's getting sick. No, I mean, like, I, if I get someone with a runny nose, I'm like, what? What? This is like, this is like the good old days back in February of 2020. Not, oh, man, uh, you think uh, when you look back in the day and it was beginning of 2020 when things weren't that bad until now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Earlier this year. So I started, I was, I was bored. I started going down the stolen valor uh, our rabbit hole. I don't know. Have you ever done this? Oh, back when everyone was trying to get their 15 minutes of fame. So I was just looking at YouTube, watching people get upset. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And, and so I have, I have mixed feelings. I, I actually put this down into three categories. Okay. So the first one is, and it made me think that time we were out in downtown Clayton and this old guy, this old fat guy, diabetic. He uh, wanted the Coke. Yeah. He's like, he's like, Hey guys. Uh, He's like, you guys look like your military members. And I wasn't even dressed like this. I think, I mean, you know, I didn't have the flag on my shirt, and my Air Force hat, but uh, somehow he could tell, right? And he's like, uh, oh, yeah, can you buy me a Coke? And then he asked what branch we're in, and Jeremy said he was a Marine. So he's like, oh, I was a Marine. He said he was a Marine captain, I think. A Marine captain, yeah. <sighs> first my first question, hey, man, were you guys in the military? And you, you said Marines. Everybody knows Marines. That That's... Army and Marines, the end-all, be-all branches. And then you have the Navy and the Air Force, kind of like the sister branches. So Coast Guard. They were shooting at sharks this, year, this week. Man, yeah, man. And that, that. Oh, man, that Mako. That was crazy. That video. Uh, that's, that's a pretty cool. Uh, the, the angry cops, he, um, he pulled up the video or he gave him the pat on the back. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, it was pretty crazy. I yeah. uh yeah, it was awesome. So anyways, this guy starts saying he's he's in the military and whatever. And I, and I, I didn't care. I don't know if you cared. I was like, I you know what, I'm going to call him out. He's like 70 years old. He's in diabetic shock. So he's like, hey, can you guys buy me a Coke? And I'm like, all right. And I'm going, we buy him a Coke and chatted with him for a few minutes. Um, so there's that level. And, and that's kind of like the crazy guy uh, at the Raleigh hike. Did you see that real skinny, kind of looked like a crackhead guy? He was definitely homeless. That yeah, was he was following us for a while. Yeah, his weren't BDUs, but they were obviously, I mean, he got them somewhere, right? He was, and maybe he was military. You know, that's the other thing. And, and um, you know, we can bring this up a little bit later, the uh, the problem with homelessness in the military. And, and it's very possible. I doubt it, though, because most people, I mean, you, you can just tell when you look at them. So I start going down. I start thinking about that, um, you know, the different levels. Uh, level two now, this is the guy, I don't know if I sent you the clip, Um I'll have to look. The fake ranger at the Oxford Mallet Valley. Yes, Mall? yes. Pull him up. Can you pull, okay, pull can him up? Pull Jamie? him up right now. <laughs> Make sure you share the audio. I got you. Are you laughing because I said Jamie? Come here. Come here. Hey, we son. do not own the rights to this. Hey, my son, lucky me. He really uh, admires guys in the army. Hey, buddy. I'm Sean. What are yeah. you in? Yeah, this guy's an operator. <laughs> 75th? Second. We're 75th Ranger Regiment. 75th Ranger. Same same right. regiment Matt Best is in. This freaking dude right. is in. I'm what's called Attack One. All I do is I go out on missions. Where'd you That's get all you? he does. Three goes out on missions. Not with yeah. that triple chin, he all doesn't. Three? <laughs> you know you need to be in three different campaigns to get three uh three CIBs, right? Wearing three CIDs. Okay. That's for my rash. Okay. And that was for my second rotation back to Afghanistan. You know, no matter how many you do, you can only get one. For Iraq, Afghanistan, yep. all three, you can cool. only get them. You know that, right? Now, now he starts. He starts. Now, now, pause it for a second. Pause it, Jamie. Um, so this group, this is the group I think I hate the most, right? Because this guy is obviously, I think it, it's, if you read it, it's this take place or took place around Christmas time. And they're in a mall. And there's lots of people. Yep. And this guy's going around, you know, he's getting like free coffee and whatever else they're offering. Discounts. Oh, yeah. 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 And and it's like, God damn it. Right. So I feel you watch these videos and someone calls out 
uh, one of these people that are homeless and obviously maybe schizophrenic or something like that. It's like, what are you, what are you gaining, right? This guy doesn't know what day it is, let alone that he was in the military. He's, he's obviously lost his mind and people are going up in the videotape and that. And that's, I don't know. I don't see the point of that. Uh, this guy, on the other hand, I absolutely see the point of it, I think. And, and the way this guy does it is, is pretty respectful. I think he lays into him a little bit harder uh, uh, later on. Skip ahead like, uh, I don't know, like a little bit. So look, he's starting to sweat. Before betting, right? Yeah. So he's starting to educate him at this point. Yeah. And he's like calling him out on his patches and dude, any any dude. In basic training. training told, basically told him where he went to basic training, and then he's just as a driver starts What's off the, as a driver, company driver. What's the MOS for that for a driver? What's the MOS for a driver? Eighty-eight Mike for Army. Is it really? Yep. Yeah. Team Thirty Navigator is Mike. No, it's uh. 12. Oh, hold on, hold on. Oh, I'm on the phone. With my staff's right. Hold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, we can pull that down. Um, and then the third one, I had a third one too. Now, if, uh, oh, the third one is Don the Shipley. other one. Oh yeah, and then there's Don Shipley. This guy, if you if you ever want to go down the the rabbit hole of stolen valor, Don Shipley is the man to watch. So I don't know if his his YouTube channel is that active anymore, but this guy, he's a former SEAL, and he calls out people that are like, you know, car salesmen that are like, come to the SEALs car lot, and it's like, so again, same thing. He falls into this middle category. Um, we don't have to watch his stuff because he's, he's got a lot on there. And then the last one, the last category is the one that's kind of like the, the mentally limited, slow kid who maybe looks up to his brother. And you see this a lot. You know, people say, oh, my my brother, this is his uniform. And I've seen a couple like that. And and they tear into these kids, too. And it's like, again, I don't I don't know. I, I wouldn't do that. I get it. I get you know, that the uniform is sacred and we've all had friends who have died wearing the uniform. But know, know who you're going after. And I don't think you're really changing anyone's lives if you're going after like a 16-year-old that, that looks up. No, because I've seen a couple who are like, man, I want to wear the uniform to honor my brother or my or for all they know, their father died in Afghanistan or Iraq and they're trying to honor their father. I get that. Especially if it's a, if it's a teenager, a minor, uh, a young adult. Now, when you get those guys who are like, "Man, I'm trying to get full benefits," you know, yeah. oh, get into the VSOs, get car de- car de- um, discounts, stuff like that. That's where you take too far because you're taking money from people. That's where that's a problem I have. But then when you come down to some of these videos where you see people people getting violent, and that's yeah. even worse. That's those are the bro vets that I, that yeah, bro yeah, vet yeah, exactly. we say before that want their fifteen. 15- fame of recording somebody calling somebody out because i think it's cool those jerks with operator hats and beards and american flag shirts <laughs> freaking bro vets <laughs> damn it i'm only a bro vet for you guys this is my tv persona my youtube persona in the real world i don't even have a beard i just put this on at night just to be honest. oh he's got that strap oh yeah the whole thing goes around the back yeah, yeah. Just comes, whoop, comes right off all right so let's bring on our guests so uh like I said, I, I felt bad because we brought them on last minute, but I, I reached out to, I can't remember which member of their team I reached out to, whoever runs their their uh, Instagram page. And uh, it's go Behind the Service. What's that? I'm going to go ahead and bring them on now. Sure. It's uh, Behind the Service Podcast. And I think this is, especially for Reverend Warriors, this is a group that uh, we don't spend a lot of time talking about because the Reverend Warriors uh, and even the 21 Gun Podcast, although we've had some spouses on, uh, if you remember a while back, it was, damn it, I'm going to forget uh, their shirts as everybody deploys. Um, backpacks, backpacks for Vets. Um, oh, yeah. That was a husband and wife group. Very awesome group. Check out that episode if you have a chance. Like one of the first 10 I did. Um, so we, we really have uh, spouses on for the sole fact that we focus on the veteran. But we forget that there is... In a lot of cases, 50% of these people that are going around, and even more cases, there's children involved. There's this whole other side to the story that we, we're not really looking at. And, of course, with the Reverend Warriors, and what I'm talking about specifically as a hiker is on the hike, we're with um, right. veterans. But we also have the volunteers. The volunteers tend to be spouses, friends, uh, supporters, sons, daughters, and, and all that. So Reverend Warriors does does bring uh, spouses and we'll just call them dependents into the picture as well. Um, but we don't talk about it much. And I think these uh, ladies will have uh, something to say. So I'm going to read from their, I think this is on their Facebook page. Behind the men and women who serve our country and go on to become veterans are the family members who stay up nights praying, fill out 
mountains of endless paperwork, which that doesn't end when you get out of the military. Uh, my wife spends hours on the phone with TRICARE it, trying to, to, you know, like they'll just come back and, and reject something for our kids. And we're like, what are you doing? And so we have to call, well, she calls because I have the, the patience of a gnat. I would last about a minute before I hung up. Um, but I come home and she'll be like, yeah, I've been on the phone for three hours at TRICARE trying to get that figured out. Um, they scour the internet searching experimental services and patiently love them back together again. If that's you, we want to say welcome to our tribe, to your tribe. Join us weekly as we share our wisdoms, our wisdom learnings, our wisdoms, learnings, and hearts for the spouses and families struggling to get ahead of the next episode procedure or silent night. We're going to cover it all from TBI, PTSD, service to home transitions, and life in general in the military and thereafter. So with that said, it's going to be a little tricky. We've got a lot of folks on, but uh, I would like to welcome ladies. And we do. We have, um, I think. Hey, we have Erin. Yeah, she didn't have a camera there for a minute. Uh, but she's on. Okay, so it looks like we have, uh, well, who wants to start? <laughs> hey, guys, I'm Libby. Can you hear yes, me? Yes, absolutely. I'm, hello, I'm Libby, and Shauna and Aaron are my co-hosts, and we're from Behind the Service, and thank you for having us. And like, last minute, we were we were ready, and so I appreciate it, for absolutely. sure. Absolutely, absolutely. When, tell me about the podcast. When did it start, and what was your your I guess, motivation to do something. Like, it's not easy. Starting a podcast is a lot of work. Dude, I know. I'm like, I didn't realize how much work like went into putting on a podcast. But our first episode actually aired on June the 27th. And so um, the reason I started, well, we started the podcast is I had a vision of, you know, we have a gap that we needed to, to fill. Uh, there were a lot of military spouses, veteran spouses that, needed resources, needed support, and needed um, just a community of people that understood what they were going through, you know? And so I got a hold of Shauna and Aaron. I'm like, okay, guys, we're going to do this podcast. I got to set up for a um, podcast training. And so we're going to go do some training and we're just going to do this. So that so when was, you say when you say training, do you just Google and be like, no. a course on how to do <laughs> no, actually, actually, I have a friend. Her name is Becky Harrington, and she has Becky Harrington Marketing. And we um, connected with her, and she helped us kind of, you know, learn the basics, like what all you need to have, that kind of thing. So um, reached out to the girls, and um, we decided that we were going to do this. We needed to do this for ourselves and for others. So that's why we're here. Yeah, it's definitely, like I said in the introduction there, it's definitely a, we'll call the the unsung heroes. I mean, like I said, for every veteran, mostly, I mean, there's young folks that, that aren't married or anything like that, but for every veteran, you can almost double uh, the service because there's there's somebody at home or children or, or whatever. Um, Shauna, what, what was your motivation? So she called you up and said, hey, do you want to start talking on a microphone for <laughs> other people to listen? Like, how did, how, how'd you react to that? Uh, well, I was very taken aback. I actually worked for Coming Home Well, another veterans organization out of Virginia, as a social media manager for four years. And when he was like, hey, I want you actually in front of the mic and in front of people, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> um, okay, why? What's going on? Uh, yeah, I guess let's do it. Why not? What else could go wrong? Like, I feel like it was for me, being able to finally step out of my shell and be able to share not just my story, but hopefully empower other caregivers. And caregivers to us aren't just defined as spouses. They are the parents who are home taking care of our service members. They, we still have service members who are young, who get discharged because of disabilities, and they have to go home to their parents. Their parents are their caregivers. We look at their siblings because their siblings are also sitting there. They've lost part of their family to war or to these incidences. And so they're also suffering, not, not knowing how to go through life or understanding exactly what their sibling's going through. Um, and especially for children, we, like you said, the children, they also deal with it. And being able to incorporate the whole aspect of caregiving, including community caregiving for me was extremely important because my husband has been my rock and why, why not be his? And if I can get more support and if I can share 
the struggles. And if I can get my voice out there and his story out there, then the better for us, because it's not for us, it's for everyone else who can't do that. Sure. And that's, that's one awesome. of the big motivations is, is with anything is you got to tell the story. Um, and so it keeps me going because, you know, it, there'll be days we just started going weekly and it's like, God, you know, I just did a full week of work and now I got to edit and all that. And, and it's the, the bigger picture, you look at the bigger picture. And, and if we don't tell our stories and don't talk about, I mean, my life changed from listening to someone else's podcast about TVI and it, it changed who I was. And that's just a testament, one story to uh, how technology and how this, this whole medium uh, reaches out to people. And, and I have a lot of folks that say they want to start a podcast. I, I get it all the time, actually. And they're like, you know, I, I, I put out two episodes. I've had 10 listeners. And it's like, that's 10 people. When was the last time you stood in front of a room and spoke to 10 people who are dedicated to listening to you? And don't worry about the numbers, right? Even if you have one person, right? if you're reaching one person each week, that's where you should set your baseline. And then everyone beyond that, it's like, hey, great, there's more and more people. And then you get more engagements and, and then, you know, things go good from there. How did, uh, I don't know, we can try to bring Aaron on. Uh, let's see. Aaron, give us a, a quick mic check. Your mic's muted. Let's see. Okay. Oh, there we go. Aaron, can you hear us? Can you hear I can hear you. Yeah, I think. Yeah, you're breaking up quite a bit. Um, that's too bad. You must be in a uh, out the woods or something. Where are you? I'm in a thunderstorm. Oh, there it is. Well, we got you oh, a little wow. bit. Let's, let's just try. So uh, Libby reached out to you and then tell us your story. You just you said, okay, let's do this. Actually, I reached out to Libby. Um, I oh, okay. Libby and her nice. husband on CBS. And my husband suffered from a lot of the same symptoms i had googled endlessly um he was in he he did um 12 years in uh with combat arms and he just wasn't getting better after he got out and it was really just i needed someone who i knew was going through something similar and to at least give me some sort of maybe make us feel a little more okay um and it was it was really just, uh, it was kind of just a last, you know, I got some, was in, I think it was acute psychiatric anyways, like 12 times in 18 oh, wow. months. And so we learned, I learned about more about CTE, more about, um, you know, mental health, because we just thought it was PTSD and then mild traumatic brain injury and then come to find find out there's brain degeneration and, you know, just so much that goes into it. And my husband was functioning similar to my grandfather who had Alzheimer's, who was 85 years old. I mean, the same type oh. of symptoms. And we've been together for so long. Um, and we, by the grace of God, were given so many different things. One of those being Miss Libby. And um, she just befriended me. And over the course of I don't know, Libby, a couple of years, maybe. Um, it just evolved into a deep friendship. And there's more, there's others. Um, and, and then, of course, with Shauna coming along. But, of course, this this definitely wasn't uh, something we set out to do. It's something we somewhat did out of necessity. And we also felt like it was a greater calling for us. And through this process, we found so many other people like us, uh, struggle, you know, in the same struggle, looking for one more day. Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, what? So if you're diagnosed, if you're at home, if you have a loved one, anyone, if you've been diagnosed with PTSD and just solely PTSD, and you're doing the SSRI, you're doing the sleeping pills, the Xanax, you're, or maybe self-medicating, whatever, as a medical provider and someone who's now starting to understand this whole process, for every diagnosis of PTSD, you're missing a chance to diagnose TBI and get someone the proper training. Um, I, I check out, write this down, check out, uh, I just pulled it up, WAF, so it's Warrior Angels Foundation, WAFTBI.org. Um, they saved my life. They were an incredible organization. There's actually, uh, actually, they made a, a documentary movie about it. I'm going to have the woman who made the movie, Jerry Sher, on in a couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, Dr. Mark Gordon, he, he kind of, his claim to fame was he came on to uh, Joe Rogan, and, and that's how I kind of heard through him and then became friends with Andrew that way. But I'm telling you, it's, it, it's 
again, right there, it's, it's having this, this voice that otherwise, you know, generations ago wouldn't be there and this information doesn't get out. So yeah, TBI or CTE, however you want to uh, look at it, is, is probably the most underdiagnosed thing that's out there. That's, that's very treatable and people can get back to where they were prior to their injuries. Um, my friend Andrew Marr, uh, you can listen to his episode. He's 110% from where he was, he says, um, uh, before. So he's, he's better than he was before he went into, into the Green Berets. Uh, I can say right now I'm on six months of therapy. I'm probably 90% where I was when I was like 25. So it, it's pretty incredible. Um, I have, oh, looks like we lost her. Did she take off? Yeah, she was having a bad uh, connection there. Probably so. connection just cut out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, either one of you can answer this. Let's go with, um, so most military members, and I, I hate looking down, but I have to because all my notes are down here. Most military members won't admit to perceived weakness, right? You think about uh, you're at your, your unit. Uh, no one's going to say, hey, do you know what? I'm having nightmares or my anxiety is a little high. Um, oh, and also saying that is your unit members probably won't do the same thing. Hey, I noticed you're tense. You should go get checked out. I mean, I've talked to vets current vets or current active duty personnel that won't admit to having any sort of mental health issue. In your experience, how do service members respond to a recommendation of getting help from the spouse or maybe from the son, daughter, or, or like um, Aaron said, uh, a mother or father? Well, <laughs> typically um, in my case, uh, my husband uh, refused to go to therapy. Um, because um, I think it was more his ego, um, admin, you know, let's be real, um, ego, a little bit of, you know, just, you know, he's army guy. It, you can't admit that something's going on, you know, like you don't want to admit that there's an issue or problem. And then before it's too late, you know, we ended up divorcing in February because, you know, he didn't want to go to therapy. Now he's sure. going to therapy. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, but yeah. Um, and that's an issue. That's a problem. Like if you don't want to admit that you have maybe some help that you need to get, you know, yeah. is there any sort of, um, I guess, awareness training or anything that is, you know, your husband deploys, uh, yeah. and he's gone for 15 months or whatever it was back in the day. Uh, what do they do to prepare you? Nothing. I, I, I mean, they may have. I didn't get any of it. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I really think there needs to be some type of reintegration back into um, not just society, but into your family. Um, you know, you're separated for 15 months at a time and you're expected to reintegrate back into um, a relationship and a marriage um, when they've been off to war for 15 months and seen some really horrific things. And so coming back and, you know, fitting back into the um, the role of husband and father and, and all of that thing, that's very difficult to do. And so I feel like there definitely needs to be a reintegration process back in, especially with family members and include them all in into that reintegration process. I can, uh, I can oh, 100% right. attest. I can 100% attest to that. So when I was getting out as well back in 2010, I've been through a couple of heavy combat deployments and years and years of refusing to get help, refusing to see that I had an issue. There were many issues. Nobody's, there's nobody, there's not an, usually not an innocent party when it comes to most divorces, including through the military, sometimes right. mad at each other. I was ignoring every sign of me being. I was never physically violent, thankfully, but I was very vocal. I got my my voice out there. I always had to be louder. I always had to be right. I always had to be the one in charge of everything. And it pushed away and alienated everybody. And it ruined my marriage. It ruined a lot. It ruined friendships. It ruined help, family back at home. I lost a lot. And it took it took me losing a lot and having, I'm going to try not to cry here. It took having a, a four-year-old saying, dad, who are you? This is not the dad I knew as a four-year-old who is incredibly smart. She's 12 now to it's like a shot to the heart. Like, yeah, holy shit, I need to get help. And on top right. of that, being loaded full of medications, being a zombie wasn't helpful. So I, I, I fully take responsibility for my own actions and I wish I had uh, earlier on. Yeah. Another thing I hear too, is that folks come back from deployment. Um, and let's say, you know, like I said, 15 months and, and you kind of, 
lose your role in the family, right? Because you've had to keep everything together. You've had to run the bills. You've had to get the pipes fixed. You've had to take kids to school. You've had to do all that stuff completely on your own. And now he comes back and I, and, and see, I didn't get to experience this because I was married, but I was married after I got injured. So I didn't deploy until, uh, I, mean, I didn't deploy, I got medically uh, retired. But uh, from what I understand, there's this kind of like limbo land where everyone's kind of relearning their roles and that can be real stressful. Yeah, um, I, I felt like I was wearing the pants in the family, you know, I'm like, all right, I'm totally wearing the pants in the family here. So uh, <laughs> I don't know how to take these off and, and give them to you again. You know what I mean? Sure. Shauna, do you have any experience in that whole reintegration process, people coming back from a deployment? You know, I'm actually like you. So I met my husband when after he got out of active duty. He was back in the National Guard when we actually met and just transitioning out of that. Um, so I don't have that type of from deployment to home reintegration, but from out of the military to veteran, I do have a lot of experience in that because I've been with my husband every step of the way and it's hard. Um, but the one, my biggest advice has always been, I am my husband's biggest cheerleader. I always have been, he is my rock and I am his. We are better as a team and our family motto is actually teamwork makes the dream work. And so if I'm not there for him, when he's having his struggles and if he can't be there for me when I'm having mine, then we're not working together as a team. And we, we've hit so many struggles when it comes to VA care and getting the right diagnoses that he's needed. And we still are fighting for that. And it's been difficult, but being able to work together. And I believe that him knowing that me being here and me, having his back no matter what and always pushing for him to find his happiness and to find who he wants to be instead of who I want him to be and projecting myself onto him. I believe that's actually what's helped us the most. Awesome. That That's great. That's what, that's the other thing too, behind the, the, the struggle and the therapy and the help is having that support. It's, yeah. and that, and, and I'm, even though we're on good terms now, I could say that through that time frame of me going through my struggles and her going through hers, sometimes the the mind can only take so much. There's only so much help you can give until the per, either the person gets help or they refuse to get it, and then you have to move on. I get that, but sometimes you do see a few that are just I don't want to help because I don't want to put myself through that, so they cut out early, and I feel bad for those who go through that. That's got to be tough. I've seen it a few times. Uh, either of you can answer this next question, but I, I thought it was kind of interesting, right? So we talk about active duty going back into the civilian world, how that can be a major stumbling block, right? You find yourself as a 33-year-old grad student amongst 22-year-olds. They don't speak your language. Um, you just you don't feel part of anyone except the group that you now aren't, you don't belong to. As a uh, male spouse who separates from active duty, do you find the same sort of struggle? You know, you go from being on a base, like me and my wife just went to the uh, Seymour Johnson this weekend with our kids, right? We went to the BX and we do it about once a month. And uh, it made me think back to, oh, our squadron, we had such a, a tight community, right? Wives hung out with wives, kids hung out with kids. We had the pool, we had the gym, we had the splash pad, we had all that stuff. And now suddenly you're in Poughkeepsie, New York, and you're looking at the snow and you're going, what, what, Where, where's everything? How's that struggle or how's that transition for you guys? So I actually lived in Ohio when he was deployed on his last um, deployment, his 15 month deployment to Afghanistan. So I didn't actually live on base, although I became fast friends with a lot of the military spouses there. They kind of take you under your wing or their wing, which is awesome. I, I never experienced that type of friendship and that quick of a friendship. And so when you're active duty, you have all of that support system. So coming back and not having any support system, um, for me, I was fine because I have my friends, I have my family around here, but for him, it was a struggle, you know, um, just to not have that, well, not have your buddies around to help you and hang out with and all that kind of thing. So, and 
it's kind of difficult to make friends when you isolate yourself and do that kind of thing. So yeah, that's definitely a struggle for all active duty going into the veteran, you know, world. Shiana, how did, how did the transition go for you? Or your, is, is your husband still a guard? No, no, he, <laughs> that's a funny story, but that's for another time for him to tell. <laughs> um, no, he got out in 2012. Um, he finally was done with all of it. And he actually is now a commercial dive instructor. But what you said about going to school and being 33 and being around a bunch of kids because they are kids compared to us at that stage. Oh, yeah. That was my husband. And it be so we went to commercial. Well, we, I don't, not me, but he went to commercial dive school, but I went with him to Seattle and we became like the parent house. So all of the people from his dive class would come to our house and I would feed him dinner. I would take care of him like you would in the military community. And it's crazy because a lot of commercial divers actually are military or veterans so it, it really was like a big family, but I didn't find actual support and he hasn't found, we didn't find support until we actually got involved with Operation Combat Bike Saber. And that's when he found his camaraderie again um, and was able to finally feel like he was meshing back in as well as joining and taking other veterans out like fishing and hunting. When we lived in Montana, that's what we did is we took veterans out fishing and hunting to do outdoor activities. And for me, I didn't really find this type of community until doing this, honestly. And now I have this really great community of support of other women who understand what it's like with veteran suicide, who have witnessed their spouse try to end their lives, who have witnessed their spouse go through the thoughts and the process of it, who've watched their spouse go from great to not great. And, and, and it's not a judgmental community. We all love each other and we all understand. And I think that's the best part. Yeah. What, what do you think is the main, uh, I guess there isn't, this might be a silly question, but what's, what's something that you notice or that someone should take notice in their spouse where things might not be going great. You know, they, it, he's not just withdrawing, but uh, it could lead to self-harm or it could lead to substance abuse or whatever. Because as military members, as former military members, you, you, don't, you hide stuff, right? You don't let your wife know you're struggling. You don't let your spouse know you're struggling. So what are some of the warning signs? For me, That's I could me. always tell when he wasn't happy, honestly. Yes. Just in general, like where he, he would expect him to be happy, he was. Yeah, it it was it, and it's it's really interesting because it's been consistent for the last almost ten years. Um, and it's it it's when he feels like he can't provide for us as a as a husband, where he feels like he's lacking in all of these different things, and then when he's frustrated because he has health issues that we can't get figured out. And that's impairing him from doing the work that he knows how to do. And it, it he bottles them up. <laughs> and then we don't, they don't teach people in the military how to let out all this frustration and anger. Unless, I mean, if we could go blow shit up all the time, we would. But that's just not a reality where we live. I don't think people in Jacksonville would really appreciate <laughs> us going and shooting a pumpkin full of tannerite in the middle of the city. But in Montana, we could go do that. And I think for us, for me, it's just, I can, I know his moods and I, okay. I can just tell by a look on his face. <laughs> is he there? Cause I just yeah. saw you look over at him. <laughs> he is. He, he, he was really excited about this. Cool. Yeah. Uh, tell him to um, send we'll me an email to talk to him about, uh, or have him on the show, whatever. But uh, I'm telling you, TBI, TBI is so underdiagnosed and the, mm -hmm. The treatment regimens are not what they used to be. I mean, it's mainly like, well, I won't get into it because that's going to be in a few weeks with another person, but <laughs> really good. Uh, Libby, how about yourself? What were some of the, the warning signs? Yeah. Um, so like she said, behavior um, and just not being able to con and 
um, control his emotions sometimes, um, withdrawing a lot. Um, he was having a lot of memory issues, which was our first sign that something wasn't quite right. He's 33 years old and having a hard time um, taking college courses and remembering the content that he learned the day before. So I'm like, okay, something's not right. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, behavior, um, depression, withdrawing, all of that. I get that. I started college and I got out too. And uh, I, I went from, oh man, I think I could take five, six courses at a time to after a semester, having to back down to one or two because I can't retain the information. I have severe TBI as well. And going through one course to go to the next, to the next, I can't remember what I did yeah. 10 minutes ago. And you want me to do tests and essays and, and all that. I could not. TBI was probably my worst diagnosis besides PTSD because it wasn't a big thing coming out of two that between 2007 and 2010. It wasn't a well-known thing because a lot of, it wasn't really, it was still under the, like the shell shock kind of thing where, Oh yeah. It's the mix between PTSD and getting your head hurt. No one really knew and understood. Right. So I'm trying to sit in the class, trying not to beat the 18 year old kid up next to me. So I kind of get it. Yeah. He was salutatory of his class at um, West Palm beach, Florida um, top of his class. Um, but was struggling in a community college, you know, 10 years later to take, you know, uh, I don't, I don't even remember what it was, to be honest with you, some kind of, I'm, I'm not even sure to be honest with you, but yeah. So struggling just to remember the content, you know, it's just W A F T B I dot org. I make no money from them. I'm just telling you. They're a fantastic organization. Um, what was my last? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. And now the podcast. So you have that started. You just started in June. Are you, you're doing weekly shows and how can people yeah. find it? Yeah. Um, so go to Behind the Service Podcast and on iTunes, Google Play or Spotify and you can find us there or you can go to our website, which is currently down, by the way, we're revamping that, but uh, it's uh, BehindTheServicePodcast.com and check us out there. We also are on Facebook. We have a Facebook group at Behind the Service and a private Facebook group as well at Behind the Service Podcast. Awesome. So, and IG. So. Okay. And do you, do you encourage, like, do you interact with your listeners and stuff and, and, um, yep. you know, trying to help oh, yeah. I, that's my favorite part of the day is getting to know all of our listeners, reaching out to people like you guys and getting, just getting to know who we're, who we get to work with. And I, yeah, I love interacting with people, ask me questions, do all the things. <laughs> Sorry. You guys, my kids. <laughs> you guys should, um, should volunteer at a, a silky site. Where, whereabouts are you located? I think you guys are scattered across the country, right? Yeah, I'm in Ohio. Shauna's in Florida and Aaron's in Oklahoma. Okay, yeah. Well, uh, off the top of my head, Jeremy here probably knows where all the, the hikes are. But um, yeah, it's basically... Now, <sighs> children are there. I don't know if I would bring my kids because it's it's silky shorts, right? So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a bunch of man thighs and women thighs. <laughs> and uh, we hike and we do 22, well, it's supposed to be 22 kilometers and 22 kilograms. And it's obviously to raise awareness for 22 suicides uh, a day. But um, yeah, there's plenty of opportunities for people. In fact, they're always looking for volunteers because these are not easy events to, to put on. Jeremy coordinates the one here in Raleigh. And um, I know for a fact that he, he would love to have people come and, and whatever it is, hand out water or, or I don't know. There's a lot of different jobs. So you said uh, one's in Ohio? Yep. Where's that at? I live in Cambridge. It's like this Cambridge. really small town. I actually know Cambridge. Dude, uh, are you serious? That's so I, I, grew, I went to high school in Michigan. Not a Michigan fan. Not a Michigan fan. I'm originally from California. Um, so October 17th is Cincinnati's hike. Oh, okay. Just a thought. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, Aaron, where are you from? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Is there a Tulsa hike? I think there's a Tulsa hike, right? Oh. Uh, I'm not sure. We'll have to look into it. Thank no. you guys for letting me back in, by the way. That was cool. I, I noticed. I was like, oh, crap, she's here. I didn't. I'm sorry. I didn't know. I, I saw you disappear. No, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. We were having a thunderstorm, so our internet went in and out and in and out. So Yeah, in Oklahoma, you don't joke with those, right? Because you get massive tornadoes, like, in the blink of an eye. 
we do right now it's more hail concern so being being uh, an oaky being an oaky what are your thoughts on texas you know we're te we're better than texas for <laughs> um, and the the really the first and foremost in my mind is that we recently were a part of and passed medical marijuana so oh there you um, go. I don't care really yeah. at this point what Texas does. They're not beating that. Um, so other, football even too, but um, definitely that's that's the number one. Big Maggie's. Yeah. There you go. Well, Jeremy, it's it's weird that Texas keeps coming up a lot on this podcast. I don't know. We're going to talk about going, moving. It's possibly moving to Texas. I'm telling you, man. It's kind <laughs> of at this point. We can be rivals. It's not a bad place. We go there a lot and we have a lot of friends in Texas and there's a lot of great things about Texas. It wouldn't, we wouldn't move there for just the simple fact that they don't have medical marijuana, but um, <laughs> it's a great place to visit and sometimes even fly over. Awesome. It's awesome. Well, guys, uh, thanks for, for coming on. Uh, I think you're, you're the whole thing, I, there's definitely a niche there. You know, there's definitely a group of people that need a voice and need someone to talk to and need to connect. Um, so, so good on you for starting this. And I think, how many episodes? I, if I do it off the top of my head, you've probably done what, about eight now? So we're at 11. 11. Um, we have 11, but we have like 20 recorded. So we're like, awesome. we got like a cachet in the thing here. That's so. the best way to go. It's the best you. way to go because then you can yeah, and, and the magic number in the podcast world is seven. If you can get past seven, it's like 90% of podcasts fail before their seventh episode. So oh, the worst success story already, yeah, right? Yeah, once you get to that, you're in the top 10%. So yeah. good on you. So I, I did want to say before we go, if, sure, yeah. if any of your listeners are interested, if they're a veteran caregiver, spouse, family member, veteran, if they want to um, be a part of our show, just reach out to us at behindtheservicepodcast.com. Or what's the or at gmail.com and uh, behind the service out. Yeah. Behind the yeah. service podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> He's gonna put it up. Maybe we'll come on your show. Kind of yeah, talk, dude, to, talk to sure. your folks over there. Uh, um, and Shauna, you said you're from where? I'm from Jacksonville. North Florida? Carolina. Florida. Not North Carolina. Florida. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> the big one, the big Jacksonville. Yeah, there's a, there's a Navy base there. My buddy flew P3s out of there years ago. Okay. I think it was I'm going to try and see if there's a close hike for you, for uh, your husband to attend and maybe help out. Um, your oh, we didn't there. see one. I saw Key West, but. For Florida, yes, for Key West, correct. Um, where are you guys look currently located now? In Jacksonville, but we definitely oh, would love to help out. Okay. My husband already said he wants to do one, so. Awesome. Uh, he better have um, silkies. We don't accept anyone walking up without their ass. We will get out. him some really fancy silkies. I've nice. been shopping for some. <laughs> I think the next closest one to you would be uh, Savannah, Georgia, September 19th. Yep. Yep. That's only an hour and a half away. Perfect. Oh, perfect. You we should can go to do that. that. And I, I promise Great. this time, the last time we had a uh, all-female podcast crew come on to our show, I actually showed off my silkies. I will not do that today. I will not <laughs> save their eyes. Save their eyes. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much for coming on and uh, good luck. And we'll, we'll chat again, I'm sure, because I'm yeah. going to keep, uh, you know, once, once Let's we keep meet. in contact. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Thank okay. you guys so much. Thank Bye, you. Guys. Take care. That was fun. I like bringing on great. podcast people because they know how to talk on a microphone. You know what I mean? Right. Well, on top of that, they kind of know what they're doing. And they've got themselves kind of set up. It's not, oh, we started one episode. They've got quite a few coming. Mm -hmm. And more to come. And on top of that, like you said, you got to find that niche. And that is great because a lot of spouses, when they get out, they don't have that kind of opportunity or the wherewithal, the knowledge of where to go, what to do, who to talk to. Because when we get out, we go through steps and taps and who to talk to and where to go. They don't. So that's yeah. great to have that. Yeah, I think that's total bullshit that they, because it, it dawned on me when I was writing up the questions. I'm like, wait a minute. You know, our big struggling point is we're out there and we're like, no one speaks our language. Well, if you spend 10 years on military bases and you get out, no one speaks your language either. You know, I mean, none of the, none of the, the, like what, what's a, like in my neighborhood here, you know, you've got a bunch of, uh, uh, bunch, well, actually, no, we have a lot of veterans now that I say that, but okay, bad example, but most, most neighborhoods, you're not going to know, you know, you're not going to have, 
uh, people are speaking that language. So yeah, it's really cool. I'm going to check out the website. Actually, I'm going to have my wife. Uh, well, I'm not going to have her. I'll say, hey, you should listen to this this podcast. Uh, I think she'll get a lot out of it. Yeah, man. That'd be great. I mean, like I said, the more the merrier, the more we put it out and the more we collaborate and help each other out, especially when it comes to podcasts like this. Like like you said, man, we get out and we have the brotherhood, and, but it's hard to, for spouses to kind of mingle back into society when right. they've molded into the the groups that we've been around most of our career. So I kind of awesome. get it, but it's awesome. Yeah. Upcoming hikes, September 5th, we have Jacksonville, North Carolina. This weekend. Um, yeah, gosh, I won't be there. God, when, I will. Oh, where will I be? That's <laughs> getting old. That's getting old. Uh, September fifth, Cedar Falls, Iowa. I rode my bike through. Um, I think it was Iowa. Let me think about that for a minute. Let me look at the map. Uh, this is this is what we call very interesting radio. When I look at a map instead of uh, Missouri, Illinois, Iowa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I rode through Iowa. There's a ride, a bike ride called Ragbri, ride across, ride uh, whatever. Uh, very flat, lots of corn. Um, that's all I remember about Iowa. So, uh, yeah. Next hike after that, September 12th, Seattle, Washington, September 12th. This We got a big one coming up. Uh, I think they're actually going to call it the Silkies Across America. Is that right? It's Across America. That is correct. Right. So, October um, 3rd. Yep. Well, we have Nashville. I forgot it on um, September 12th. So, yeah, October 3rd, we have... Actually, I, I want to say there's going to be two of those because September 19th, we have four places, uh, Minneapolis, Norwich, Savannah, and Spokane. Norwich. Spokane. Did I say Norwich? What did I Norwich. say? Norwich. Norwich. Norwich, right? It's it's Norwich. Norwich. Really? Yeah. That's, that's, what, happens, that's what happens when you use uh, Gold Bond when it's really hot and humid outside. You have Norwich. Uh, <laughs> But October 3rd, I'm skipping over some. And I don't know, just go to reverendwarriors.com uh, and you'll see all the hikes there. Shout out to Jason Piccolo. I'm, I'm going to have him on soon because we haven't, I've been on his show a bunch of times, but I, it dawned on me, I've never had him on my show. Uh, so uh, are you familiar with the big, so it's not new, but there's more awareness to human trafficking. Uh, I saw this documentary with a man named Tim Ballard. Uh, I want to say he was some sort of federal police officer, and he, uh, I'm going to screw this up. Actually, I should try to get him on the show because he would be a really good um, guest. But basically, he gave up his career to go help people in um, uh, trafficking, so children. And this is like stuff like sex trafficking. They're taking their organs, um, slave labor. I mean, it's brutal. It's insane. And, And it's a massive problem. It's not like a Oh yeah, they, you know, there's a couple hundred here. I think they estimated ten thousand come across the border each year. Ten thousand people, most of them kids. So he has an organization called Operation Underground Railroad that I joined for two reasons. One, uh, you can start a branch. I think pretty much anywhere, and there's no branch in Raleigh. And I think bringing awareness to this is is pretty big. And I brought Jason Piccolo's name up because I know he's um, he's a big uh, advocate for. Uh, the reduction of, of human trafficking stuff. And I'd love yeah, to get him on the show because he's got a really good uh, resume for law enforcement. Um, but have him come on the show and talk about that. So yeah, uh, check it out. Um, no plug. I have no connection except, like I said, I, I just joined the organization. But it's, uh, I just said it, I forgot it. It's uh, Operation Underground, Underground. Uh, yep. Railroad. And they also have an operations team, which I know veterans, you know, there's that whole thing where, yeah, I can't kick down doors anymore because I'm old. Well, I think yeah. they look for door kickers. So yeah. that's that's pretty awesome. And put my TCCC medical training into into play here. I could feel like I could feel like I'm doing something again. You know, some some sort of operation. So I'm I'm still chatting with them. Uh, it's a whole process to get in. Uh, obviously, they want to make sure that you're you're up and up. But yeah, yeah. that's all I that's all I had as far as um, announcements. We have next week's episode will be this. The week after that is going to be Brent. Gleason, former Navy SEAL. And then we have Jerry Scher, who made the movie Quiet Explosions. Um, if you want to hear more about that, just look back on the previous episode here where I interviewed Andrew Marr. Um, but that movie is going to come out. And I'm actually going to encourage everyone to watch it. Uh, maybe we'll set up a streaming thing or not a streaming thing, a, um, you know, uh, uh, at the Legions or whatever, kind of like we did with Donnie's movie. Uh, that would be really cool because I keep harping on it, but I wouldn't harp on it if I didn't feel so damn good 
going through this TBI protocol. And if you have right. any sort of mental health issue, if you have anything, just think back. I mean, you could have played football for four seasons, went into the military, and suddenly you develop PTSD. That's a sign that nothing, something is going wrong in your brain. And to get that fixed is so critical because all we're doing now is putting Band-Aids on it. If you're taking the typical Prozac and Ambien and all that stuff, you're just putting Band-Aids. You're not addressing the issue. Um, so this movie is going to be pretty incredible. That's all I have. What do you have, uh, Jeremy? Anything? That's it, man. Just if you need help, don't hesitate to reach out, especially especially spouses. Kind of, That's kind of what we do. We help each other out. Just don't hesitate to reach out. Sure. And if you need help, get it, please. We're, we're don't add more to statistics and don't make things worse for family members. The best thing you can do is get help, especially admit it. Absolutely. Should I um should I try to play us out with some music? Yeah, fuck it, go for it. Let's see if it works. Let's let's see if it works. Oh, it might not work because it's not the. Tell me if you can hear this. Nope. <laughs> How about I just sing us out? You want me to sing us out? Oh, no, you don't. All right, guys, <laughs> go over to 21gun.net for everything 21gun. Head over to irreverentwarriors.com and find out your latest hike and all your hike information. Um, I'm going to go to Manassas. Now that I hear that the Washington hike is actually not in the city where I was losing my mind last year, <laughs> um, you have anxiety issues and there's just cars and the, just the hike was great getting in there was like my head miserable yeah yeah um but yeah it's gonna be at manassas that's great man that's i think that's like out in the wilderness not the wilderness but it's out in the rural countryside, kind of. right yeah. yeah yeah i'm really looking forward to that so that'll probably be my next hike so i to see you guys out there and then at this point we'll have another um what do we call this soup sandwich in two weeks episode six yeah man looking forward to it All right, good night, guys. Take care.